The text then that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us from our Old Testament reading for today, especially these verses. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a question that truly each generation and each person ponders. What is good? The younger generations might argue that it's not worth even asking such a question anymore, since claims of absolute truth are considered dubious and offensive. And yet, have you ever noted, they seem to debate what is good just as harshly as anyone else. Yes, even those who say that they will let each person determine what is true are quick to rebuke someone else when they find them doing the thing they think is not good. I suppose it shouldn't surprise us then that back in the days of the prophet Micah, people had different ideas about what was good as well. It seems that the majority of the Israelites in that day had bought into the notion that what God really wanted from them was the simple performance of rituals and sacrifices in the temple. They believed if they simply carried out those things which God had demanded of them as acts of worship, they were certainly God pleasing. However, God, through prophets like Micah, reminded his people that just going through the motions of worship was never what he intended. He intended for those rituals and those sacrifices to both be the source of true faith as well as an expression of that same faith. But if there was no connection between those rituals and sacrifices done in the temple and the life that the people led the rest of the week, well, then those things were not good at all. And so God placed into the mouth of his prophet Micah the simple instructions we just heard. He reminded the people that God had shown them what was good, that he had told them what it was that he desired of them. He made clear that first and foremost, God wanted his people to be concerned with justice, to be in love with mercy, and to be humble in their walk with God. And no doubt that same message is very applicable to our day. For we too face a temptation to think that all God wants us to do is to show up for worship and perhaps place a sacrifice of thanksgiving into the offering plate. We can think that that's all it takes to be pleasing to God. We can even kind of kid ourselves into thinking that perhaps God won't look too closely at the rest of our life as long as everything on Sunday morning seems in order. But for us as well, God tells us what he considers good. He wishes for us also to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. But what exactly does that look like in day-to-day life? Well, let us take a moment to look at each of these phrases 
that are in those words from the prophet Micah. First, he tells us that we are to act justly, or that we are to do justice. After all, there is much injustice in our community and in our world each day. And God says that his people are not to sit idly by and do nothing when they see injustice. You know, it seems to me that in our day it's a little easy to get in, wrapped up in the idea that perhaps there is no real injustice in the world anymore. After all, we hear so many people attach the word justice to every cause that they have. And by the end, we think that that word justice is just a political word used for political purposes. But if we are convinced by their misuse of the term at times, then we must know that there are still, though, real injustices in the world. And if we were to act as if there is no injustice in the world, well, then we would be the foolish ones indeed. Micah sort of lists three kinds of injustice that he saw in his day, or you might say three sources of injustice. The first, he said, was those who were using false scales in their business dealings. Now, most of us in our business dealings or personal dealings don't use actual scales anymore, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible to make things look a little different than they are. Think about people that take known problems and conceal them right before they sell an item. Think about salespeople who make you believe that you're getting a much better deal than you actually are. Think about those who indeed might swoop in on a neighbor who they see has something of great value, but they don't know it's of great value. The second thing mentioned in regard to injustice is just how deceptiveness and lies, deceitfulness I should say, and lies often cause injustice. How many people have ended up suffering injustice because someone in a small town spread one little lie about them? How many people have perhaps decided that they found something good and they would conceal it so that nobody else would ever know about it? How many people have told just one little lie in order to get ahead at work? Just a little more than those who they are working with. Yes, deceitfulness can often end up making things not as fair as they ought to be. Finally, Micah talks about another area where injustice is often found. He says that in the courts of the day and in the ruling business of the nation, there was often injustice. He says, in fact, that those people were often taking outright bribes, and then ruling on the basis of those bribes. Now, I have no doubt that there are actual outright bribes still paid in our day in order to secure justice or governmental favors, but probably even more often is the kind of nuanced way that this happens where somehow the courts of justice get tipped in one way or the other, or the government favors that are handed out are tipped in one way or another, based on who knows someone or how much money they have. You see, we as God's people are to be concerned with such things. We're not just supposed to sit back and say, oh, those things happen. 
And so far as we can, and so far as we have any influence, we are to speak out about them and to do something about them if we have opportunity. Yes, we are to act justly. We're to do justice. But you know, interestingly enough, right after we are told to do justice, we are told to love mercy. And there's a difference there. There's a difference between doing something and loving something. And I think it's important here. The people of God are to be concerned with justice. And we're to rectify injustice wherever we have the power to do so. But at the same time, that is not to be our true joy. That is not to be what we love. We may have to do it in order that our neighbor would not be hurt or harmed, but our real joy should be in those times when we get to show mercy. Yes, our joy should be in those times when we see someone in need and are able to provide the help they need. Our joy should be in those times when we meet someone who is clearly poor in spirit, down on life, and we get to proclaim to them the hope that we have in Jesus. Our joy should be to take those whom everyone else has written off and to offer them a place in our little world called our congregation here. Yes, we are to offer them a place right in the church of Jesus. We are to do all of these things because we love mercy. And why do we love mercy? Because we know mercy. We know it from the Father. We know how awesome it is to receive it. And so, therefore, we should love giving it to others. Yes, we're to act justly, but we're to love mercy. But in regards to both of these, the final thing that is said in Micah is very important. We are to walk humbly with our God. In fact, it's in humbly walking with God that we learn what justice and mercy truly are. It's there that we learn what it means to do justice and to love mercy. For that's what God himself does. You see, if we get too prideful, we'll decide that certain forms of injustice are okay. So long as they don't get in our way. If we get too high on our horse, we'll decide that there are certain people out there who just don't deserve mercy. As if we do. Instead, we are called to walk humbly with our God. We are called to watch as he carries out his justice and mercy right together. We're to be amazed and humbled at how he can demand perfect justice and yet at the same time distribute pure mercy. We can watch as he does justice, but as he loves mercy. For his joy is not in punishing the wicked, but rather in showing mercy to them. As we watch God do his work, as we read about his actions in the scriptures, indeed, it will humble us if we let it get to our hearts. For we will admit that often those two things are not something that comes so easily to us as it does to God. We must admit that there are times when we simply want to overlook injustice because it might require too much work to do something about it. And there are other times when we're rather stingy with mercy, thinking that we must demand proof that that mercy will not be received in vain. But today, let us humble before God, turn to his son Jesus. 
Let us turn to that one who did all things perfectly. Let us turn to that one who was, in fact, so concerned with justice that he went to the cross in order that the just punishment for sins might be paid, but not by us, but by him. Let us turn to that one who loved mercy so much that he was raised up from the grave, called his apostles and sent them forth in his church with his great gifts of love and salvation and mercy. Let us turn to the one who humbled himself before the Father in every way, even unto death, death on a cross. For with him we will find what we need, and with him we will find what our world truly needs. We will find forgiveness for those times where we have acted unjustly, or when we have remained unconcerned about the injustice in our world. We will find salvation from our own inclinations against being merciful to those who need it so desperately. And finally, we will find freedom from our pride that wants to suggest that somehow we could do this justice and mercy thing better than God himself. You see, in the end, every generation wants to know, what is good? Well, thankfully, the Spirit has revealed to us what is good. Jesus is good. The Father is good. So let us turn to him. For in turning to him, we will find forgiveness and eternal life. And in turning to him, we will find newness of life given to us to live out already now. Yes, through his spirit this day, Jesus not only takes away our sin, but he also sends us out with his spirit in order that we might do justice and that we might love mercy. And that most of all, we might walk humbly with our God each step of the way. God sends us out today with his spirit as people of faith, not relying on some strength of our own, but on the strength given to us in word and in his means of grace. Jesus does this today for you. He does it because he is just. He does it because he loves to give out mercy. He does it because he is the very definition of good. Amen.